3: From WABE in Atlanta. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Can you count to 50? Sesame Street turned 50 this month, and Jim Henson's special Muppet Creations were a major reason for the show's success. Today, the Artistic Director of the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta. John Ludwig, is our guest to talk about the impact of Sesame Street on the art of puppetry, as well as the program's enduring success. With this election year, polls are everywhere, And we took our own survey of your opinions for a favorite City Lights Encore segment. The big reveal later in the hour. First, this is it the final day to donate to WABE's Fall Member Drive. We know you've been listening. Now it's time to donate. We cannot provide this quality programming without your support. In fact, 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta area. Your sustaining gift of $15 a month allows us to tell Atlanta's stories and keep you connected to Atlanta's arts and cultural life. That's why we need your help. Please call 678. 553-9090, or visit wabe.org slash donate. I'm joined this hour by WABE music contributor and educator, Dr. Scott Stewart.
4: Thanks, Lois. I want to thank everyone who's already made a contribution to WABE, but now we need to hear from you. It's an important time for us because this member drive is a concentrated effort to raise money. Asking for your donation right now allows WABE to bring you uninterrupted programming the rest of the time. In order to make that happen, we need your support. Make a donation online at wabe.org or call us at 678-553-9090. Thanks so much.
1: Hey, it's Elsa Chang from NPR. Donating to this station makes a big difference, but it doesn't have to be a big decision. It can be a spur of the moment kind of thing.
3: Think of all the random stuff that you own, clothes worn once or
5: gadgets you never even figured out how to use, all paid for. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Contribute right now and thank you.
3: How long have you been saying to yourself, one day I'll donate to WABE? Well, now's your chance to go for it. Making a donation to WABE does not take long, and you'll feel good knowing that you're helping bring public radio to the community. Just as Elsa said, it only takes a moment. Please visit WABE.org or... Call us at 678-553-9090.
4: Right now, we're counting on you to put a dollar value on your WABE listening habit. How about a contribution of just $15 a month? Listener donations are the largest source of support for WABE, so every gift makes a big difference. Please become a sustaining member right now on this final day of our fall fundraising drive. The number is 678-553-9090, or give online at wabe.org. And thank you.
1: When you give to WABE at $10 a month, we'd like to thank you with our brand new Forever I Love Atlanta 14-ounce mug, designed by Atlanta artist India Nabarra.
5: We wanted to make something fun while staying authentic to our city, of course, so I made sure to include stuff like late-night waffles, street art, and nature.
1: To receive the new Forever I Love Atlanta mug, please make your first donation this fall at $10 a month or give a single gift of $120. Online at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you.
3: Thanks to everyone who has donated to WABE. If we have not heard from you yet, please pick up your phone Call 678-553-9090 or go online to wabe.org donate. This is the final day of our fundraising drive. Please do not hold off any longer. Please donate now and help the programs you love. Programs like City Lights, keeping you connected to arts and culture life in Atlanta and beyond. Thank you so much. The number again is 678-553-9090. Sesame Street turned 50 years old earlier this month. The writer Malcolm Gladwell described the essence of Sesame Street as the artful blend of fluffy monsters and earnest adults. Many of those fluffy monsters were Muppets created for Sesame Street by Jim Henson. Atlanta Center for Puppetry Arts is home to the world's largest collection of Jim Henson puppets and artifacts. So it's all the more meaningful to have as our guest, John Ludwig, the Artistic Director of the Center for Puppetry Arts. John, welcome back to City Lights.
0: Oh, my pleasure.
3: Now, Sesame Street became a cultural phenomenon and remains so today. Essential to its success was the creation of those puppets by Jim Henson. I read that initially Henson was reluctant to become involved with the show. What do you think changed his mind?
0: I think it was the opportunity to interact, you know, with a the children's theater workshop, who at first, they had child psychologists who said that the puppets and the humans could not mix. It would just confuse the children. And of course, they did a lot of tests. And they found that, well, the kids paid total attention to the puppets. But when it was time for the human actors to interact, they lost them. And the Muppets, we're not your normal puppets back then, in, what was it, 69. They were a wild bunch. <laughs> Aren't I mean, they every,
3: still? Every,
0: oh, they're still a wild bunch, but they, they came in, they were just wild. Most skits that Jim Henson created always ended with an explosion or something blowing up or something <laughs> happening. Ernie, I think uh, it's time to have a talk about taking turns. I mean, you know, uh, you've been watching TV for a long time, and I want to listen to a record. Shh! Come on, Bert.
1: Can't you see I'm trying to watch TV? Uh, come on.
0: Okay, smart guy. You watch your old TV. I'm going to play a record anyhow.
1: Hey! Hey, Bert! Hey, I, I can't hear the TV with the record going. Okay. You want to play a record? See if you can hear your record with the radio going.
0: Okay, smoke guy. See if you like this over here. How about that? Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Why not? Well, you blew a fuse. And I think that appealed to Jim Henson. a kind of freedom with the characters, that they could come up with these wild characters. Oscar the Grouch. I mean, what kid show had a Grouch?
3: <laughs> and yet... How many of us identify with him?
0: Oh, definitely. They, they really worked on the characters. The Muppets are character-driven, very much so. Everything comes from the character.
3: And from what I have read about Jim Henson and having met his wife, I would think the program's commitment to social goals, and causes was also very appealing to them.
0: Yes, very much indeed. They covered a lot of ground, and they were always about social justice, and they were always about the importance of feeling good about yourself, respect for others, very prominent issues for today, and and they continuing. they're continuing. Now they have the, the Power of We program, which, which is... Uh, about racism and anti-racism, and and they call me upstanders. So it's dealing with these issues, but atoned for what a kid can understand and appreciate and and act upon.
5: Elmo wants to be an upstander to racism! Yeah, me too. But, well, I don't know what to do. I know it can be hard. How do you know what to do when you hear someone say... You're not good enough, go away. When someone is not that in because of the colour of their skin. How, how
1: do, do you, you know,
5: know what to do?
3: John, why do those fluffy monsters and their more human-looking counterparts like Ernie and Burke make such great teaching tools?
0: because they're so real. The puppets are what they are. They are what they are. And I think kids and adults are fascinated by that. Kermit the Frog is Kermit the Frog. It's not somebody pretending to be Kermit the Frog. Although Jim Henson's doing him, you don't see him doing it.
1: It's not easy being green. Seems you blend in with so many other Ordinary things. And people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky.
0: They're more real than than the actors in a way, although the actors in Sesame Street are just phenomenal. They really picked some wonderful, wonderful people.
3: Yeah, but your point about... Jim Henson and Kermit, whom we should point out once again, showed up to cut the ribbon for the opening of the Center for Puppetry Arts building in 1978. I got a video clip the other day from Oscar the Grouch reminding me to vote, fortunately. (laughs) Yes, this was perfectly natural. I had already voted but of course I was thrilled that Oscar was advocating this (laughs) and as I watched the clip I thought Oscar was comedian Lewis Black minus the R-rated language.
0: Now it's time for me to tell you what Oscar the Grouch loves, the thing that grouches love best of all. Oh, I love trash. Anything
3: dirty or dingy or dusty. Anything ragged or
1: rotten or rusty. Yes, I love trash. If you really want to see something trashy, look at this. I have here a sneaker that's tattered
3: and worn.
1: It's awful, awful. So clearly,
3: I associate people with Muppets. I watched the Netflix series on the Borgias with my husband recently. Have you seen it by chance?
0: No, I haven't.
3: Oh, it is quite outrageous. And throughout the entire series, when Jeremy Irons was on screen, which is most of the time, he played the role of the infamous Borgia Pope Alexander VI, I couldn't stop thinking of Jeremy Irons singing Put Down the Ducky If You Want to Play the Saxophone with Ernie and Hoots the Owl.
4: Excuse me, Mr. Hoots, I hate to bug a busy
1: bird, but I want to learn the sax, and I need a helpful word. I always get a silly squeak when I play the blues. (laughs) to keep you cool, I'll teach you how to blow the sacks I think I did your problem, it's rubber and it quacks You'll never find the skill you seek till you pay your dues You gotta put down the ducky Put down the ducky Put down the ducky Yeah, you gotta leave the duck alone
2: You
3: gotta put down the ducky uh, John, this may not seem that unusual to you because you understand the fine line between reality and these puppets. But the Muppets Jim Henson created for Sesame Street not only made the show popular, but brought tremendous recognition to Henson and his team. What impact did the success of Sesame Street have upon puppetry beyond the PBS program?
0: Well, they sort of set the standard and they invented a standard. Most puppet shows on TV before that were a locked off camera, mostly a lot of them like a booth, like Kukla and Ollie, who I love, or Captain Kangaroo, you know, behind the table or under the desk or something. And th- the camera was just there. The Muppets, Jim Henson and that, they discovered that the camera was a wonderful window. It became the playboard. It became the stage. So they played to camera without a booth or sometimes, you know, they're hidden behind, you know, like the trash can or certain things, but they used the screen. They really used the language of film and, and TV. And he really, really exploited that where nobody else had quite thought it suddenly it was all this freedom to move around, to interact with the actors. It, it, it totally set the standard. And the quality of the characters really, and in and the style, the Muppet style, the moving mouth, the hand and rod. You know, it's called hand and rod puppetry, but everybody knows it as Muppets. It's what everybody thinks of. Uh, often when we get requests, we're like, okay, you want a Muppet. Okay, we, you know, because we can't make you a Muppet because it's copyrighted. <laughs> But we know what you're talking about. And the idea of anything puppets, what a brilliant idea. Instead of building tons of extra puppets, you just had a mix and match, kind of a Mr. Potato Head sort of effect. You could just switch out the face and you have a new character. Brilliant, really brilliant way of doing things.
3: You worked with the Jim Henson Company on bear in the big blue house. Your accolades are too many to list at this moment, though I will say that you've got nine citations of excellence from Unima USA, which is the highest award in puppetry.
0: Yes, with a lot of help from all the <laughs> other people here at the center. Yeah, nine awards. And then we have some other directors here, too. So I think it's up to 12.
3: Wow. But John, I'm curious. How did Sesame Street influence your own career as a puppetry artist?
0: Well, I saw the Muppets and the commercials. That's where I first saw them. The Cramel Milk commercials, the uh, all the other things they did—got milk, and if you didn't, they'd shoot you with a cannon, would shoot at you, and and the Choi Dragon, where he would just blow flames and knock everything down, and Ralph the dog, Jimmy Dean show—I just absolutely loved Ralph. I was convinced he was real, a real dog that talked.
3: Wait, he's not.
0: I know, you know, he's a puppet. As a kid, I was like, puppet schmuppet. It still is to me too. I, every time I walk in the museum and see him, I just have to say hi. And and I remember watching the Sesame Street. Somebody said, "Hey, you got to watch this." We just I just graduated from high school. It was in '69, and I was like, "I wish I had this when I was a kid. I would have been a much better reader." The Muppets, of course, were a, you know that's like the gold standard of, of puppetry, and yet Jim Henson also really really promoted puppetry globally and actually did a nine-part series of films with his favorite puppeteers around the world, all of them completely different, but he had an intense um, interest in, in the art form. And that's why Kermit and Jane and Jim came down and cut the ribbon, they, they, they promote, you know, not only did he have his own world, he was absolutely engaged with the world of puppetry.
3: An extraordinary man. And how lucky we are to have the internationally renowned Center for Puppetry Arts here in Atlanta. John Ludwig, it's always a joy. Thank you for celebrating 50 years of Sesame Street with us.
0: I know, and I'll go for another 50 years, I'm sure.
3: Here, here. Thank you again.
0: Always a pleasure, Lois.
3: John Ludwig is the artistic director for the Center for Puppetry Arts. For more information on the center, as well as their vast collection of Jim Henson's puppets and artifacts, check out our website wabe.org/citylights. You're tuned to WABE Atlanta. The City Lights interview listeners chose as a favorite in our recent poll. The votes overwhelmingly were for our conversation from last November with Henry Winkler and Lynn Oliver. Actor Henry Winkler is known for his phenomenal success in the role of Fonzie on the TV show Happy Days and his recent Emmy Award-winning portrayal of Gene Cousineau on the HBO series Barry. In addition to acting, Winkler is the author of many children's books written with longtime co-author Lynn Oliver. Their latest book, Alien Superstar, is for middle school readers. When we spoke last November, Henry Winkler began talking about the creative partnership with Lynn Oliver.
2: You know, we together wrote 28 novels about Hank Zipser, uh, the uh, world's greatest underachiever. And then one day our publisher said, you know, I think that'll be it on Hank. No more <laughs> Hanks, which is a, an, an, an amazing motivator for coming up with a new character. So we came up with Buddy Burger. He is on a repressive planet, the Red Dwarf Planet. Down his back is a kind of a, a, a trunk affair. Um, and it is a sensory enhancer. He enjoys smells and tastes and art and color, and he and his grandma surreptitiously have watched television that leaked as it was being transmitted all over the world. It leaked out into space, his grandmother collected it, and they watched entertainment.
3: I should add that his grandmother's favorite show was Happy Days.
2: It is so true. You
3: are a- <laughs> I'm abashed. I am.
2: It's on. A, it's. It was amazing <laughs> that she too watched it up there on the red dwarf planet. So, all of a sudden, at thirteen, all of the citizens' their sensory enhancer is turned off. Kind of like a bar mitzvah. It, it, well, yes, but they are now devoid of any joy. Oh. They are devoid of. Um, uh, being stimulated by the senses so that they make no waves for the government. His grandmother, who is the Star, the, the Starfleet uh, mechanic, master mechanic, cobbles together a rocket ship from used parts, broken parts, and just before her grandson, Buddy Berger, before his um, sensory enhancer is turned off, he takes off and lands on the only address they know on Earth, the back lot of Universal Studios.
3: Okay, now I can say to both of you, you are unabashed. Yes. But why is it not so far-fetched that an alien landing on the Universal Studios lot
5: would be considered normal? Well, on the back lot, there are strollers. There are characters who walk around as... Bart Simpson and Harry Potter. So when an alien disembarks from a spaceship at Universal, no one even gives a nod. It's like, oh, that's a cool costume, dude. So uh, it's a perfect place for him to fit in and lead a, a life with a secret identity, which is what the book is about.
3: So, Henry, much of your prolific career has been as a television actor... Prolific does not begin to capture your achievements as a creator of family entertainment and TV books, movies. How did you both mine your inside knowledge of TV for buddies' adventures?
2: Well, it's very easy. You know, we took a, when I landed in California in 1973, I was really a stranger in a strange land. I had studied acting. I acted in New York. But being in Hollywood is a whole other kettle of fish. Mm -hmm. So we took a stranger in a strange land, in a land we understand from the inside out. And we figured children think, oh, wouldn't it be great to be a star? And they also love aliens. So we took those two and mashed them up and made it into this adventure. Now, in your first series of books, you mentioned
3: here is Hank. Yes. Hank, the main character, right. looks like a regular boy. Right. He is gifted with exceptional humor. Right. His friends include girls. I think his best friend's a girl. And his friends are kids from all different cultural backgrounds. So right. It's easy to see how kids reading Here's Hank see someone like themselves on the page. How will kids identify with the six-eyed alien?
5: First of all, I think that most kids feel like strangers in a strange land. You know, they've just arrived on the planet. Our readers are eight or nine or ten years old, which isn't really very long to have established your own values and your own uh, what you love and what you don't love. And they're surrounded by adults who are telling them what they're supposed to love and not love. Mm-hmm. So here's a character who's completely open to the world. Everything is a new experience. So we think that that's a very relatable thing for most for most kids. Mm-hmm.
3: I mentioned his, uh, here's Hank, Um, you wrote that series of books specifically for kids with dyslexia yes, uh,
2: here's Hank and Hank Zipser the world's greatest underachiever uh, all together there are 12 here's Hanks okay. he is in the second grade he doesn't know yet he's dyslexic he just keeps getting himself in and out of trouble in uh, in Hank Zipser he's in the fourth grade and he now finds out he's got a learning challenge and then one in five children are on the earth have some sort of challenge.
3: Well, your achievements with that series are extraordinary. Thank you. And, and we've had the pleasure of discussing that before. The humor in Alien Superstar, I think, is directed at a slightly older age yes. group. Yeah. And, um, you know, fart jokes, Loathing dentists. There is
2: nothing like a fart joke. <laughs> I have to say, I'm 74. I was I just had my birthday, and Mazel I ta- thank you so much. And I I bend over backwards to uh, to laugh at a fart joke.
3: Okay, well there are some good ones yes. in here.
2: Well, you know what, Lynn and I truly believe that humor is the beginning and the end of capturing a reader. It is the um, as Lynn always says, it's the gateway to um, capturing a reader and making them a reader for a lifetime. I think it's the
3: gateway to a better understanding of life. I think comedy is much more difficult than drama.
2: You know, uh, W.C. Fields said, dying is hard, comedy is harder.
3: Oh, what a
5: great line. What are some of Buddy's superpowers? Buddy has the power to transform into a human avatar, so he can, in his natural state, he has suction cups for toes because he comes from a low-gravity planet, so they needed to develop suction cups so they didn't float off into the atmosphere. He has seven fingers. He has six eyes that rotate around his head. He's cobalt blue. But he has the power to hold on to an amulet that he wears around his neck and biologically transform into a, a very handsome teen idol. So his main power is the power of transformation. It's a delicate one, though, because unless he has just the right nutrition and just the right amount of hydration, his powers of biological alteration can fail.
3: Henry Winkler and Lynn Oliver, talking about their latest book, Alien Superstar. We'll be back with more after a short break. You're listening to WABE Atlanta. If you want to show your support for City Lights, this hour is the time to do it. We're in our fall fundraising drive, but today is the last day. It's so important that we hear from you right now, because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. You are a WABE listener, but are you a member? Make that happen with a donation now at 678-553-9090 or click the donate button at wabe.org. I'm Lois Reitzes, and joining us on this final day of the member drive is WABE music contributor, Dr. Scott Stewart.
4: Hi, Lois. And right now in this hour... On the last day of the drive, we're asking you to give because you appreciate and value W-A-B-E. Become a sustaining member today by visiting wabe.org. The average gift from other listeners is $15 a month, but please give what you can afford. Again, go to wabe.org and click on the donate button or pick up the phone and call us at 678-553-9090. We can meet our goal, but it starts with just one donation. That's your donation.
1: So, what does giving back look like when you're a reporter? Hi there. I'm Eric Deggins, TV critic for NPR. And if you ask me, giving back is all about acknowledging people who've helped you along your journey. Now, one person who shaped my understanding of media was Professor Carol Paulsgrove. Her journalism ethics course showed me how money influences media coverage. She taught me the importance of a free and independent press and how to keep my ethical compass true. Now, the values that Professor Paulsgrove instilled in me are reflected in the coverage you hear on this public radio station every day. It's why you listen. You can show how much this station means to you today by making a contribution. Give to your community. Give to this station. Give because someone else gave. Here's how.
3: You can give at wabe.org or with a call to 678-553-9090. Eric Deggins is one of my favorites on NPR. I love his coverage of entertainment, his take on films and TV. Eric visited WABE last year, and we learned he watches a lot of TV to be so well-informed. That's what we do in public radio. We read the books before interviewing authors. We research the facts and talk to many sources before writing a news story. We make sure that we've done our homework. That's why you trust us, so you can help give back to other WABE listeners right now by supporting the programming you rely on and trust. Become a member right now on this final day of our fall fundraising drive. Call 678-553-9090. 678-553-9090 or go to wabe.org org donate
4: and lois what you just mentioned about giving back is a very important point many of our members tell us how much they personally benefit from wabe's news and information but equally important they realize their donation helps to ensure that everyone in the community has access to our accurate and unbiased content think about the value wabe delivers to your friends and family, and the city as a whole. They invest in WABE. The process takes just a few minutes of your time, and you're doing something good for the entire community. Please donate online at wabe.org or call 678-553-9090 and give as generously as you can.
1: With your new sustaining donation of $15 a month, we'd like to send you the WABE Pet Combo as our way of saying thank you. It includes a red aluminum pet tag with an iHeart WABE engraving and a matching red collapsible drinking bowl for your dog or cat. Please make your first ever donation this fall at $15 a month or a single gift of $180 at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you.
3: That pet combo is stupendous. And we think the combination of your listening and donating to keep WABE bringing you the programming you love is also a winning combination. You only have a few more minutes to support City Lights because this is the last day of our fall member drive Please become a member right now. Go to wabe.org donate or call 678-553-9090. Let's return to more of my conversation with Henry Winkler and Lynn Oliver about their book for middle school readers, Alien Superstar. The characters are memorable. Let's talk about Grandma Wrinkle. Wrinkle is an anagram for Winkler. I never oh, thought of that. me
5: either.
2: I only thought that um, uh, it was a, um, a description of a, a woman of age. Oh, oh, you uh, devious
5: you know, thing! You got your name in there. I
2: never thought of <laughs> that. Really, I <laughs> was Ever. sure it was no. either no.
5: the anagram
3: or a dyslexic spelling, no. or just no, wow, no. that's interesting. No. I'm going
2: to take that. Take it, and yes. please run. With I was smart it. enough to think of it as an anagram. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, never um, entered my mind. The citizens. I never the... had a grandmother. I know, so she is the grandmother that I always dreamt of having.
3: Yes. and um actually, there is there's a portion of the book that um, reminded me of a very serious conversation we had on your first visit, Henry. When Buddy is scared of appearing in front of an audience in front of a live audience, he thinks of Grandma Wrinkle, who always said, grandson, live your dreams, not your fears. And he reminds himself, Grandma Wrinkle had sacrificed so much for me to go to Earth, maybe even her own life, so I could pursue my dream. I couldn't let fear take this opportunity from me. You told an astonishing story of your family's escape from Nazi Germany in right. the last minutes when anyone could get out of Berlin. Right. Was Buddy's recognition of Grandma Wrinkle's sacrifice an echo of your own?
2: Do you know, it might have been subconscious, but I never thought of it that way when we were writing it together. What I do know is this. What I have learned in my, my time here on Earth is that anticipatory fear is worse than the actuality and that there were so many times I would talk myself out of doing a project because um, I didn't think I was worthy and I finally said to myself either shut up and and sell shoes or jump off the precipice and fly.
3: Well we're very glad that you flew. Thank you. Now tell, tell us please about the Oddball Academy.
5: The Oddball Academy is the show when uh, Buddy arrives on the planet. Miraculously, he is cast as an alien on a, telev- on a hit television <laughs> Not show. Not typecast. Not typecast. So the the television show is called The Oddball Academy, and it's a bunch of kids who live in a in a boarding school environment. And each of them is there because they have some peculiar ability or talent. So there's Ulysses Park, who is able to do impressions of historical figures that he's never heard. And there's Cassidy, who becomes his best friend, who is uh, kind of has a a paranormal ability. So each of the kids, this is the premise of the show, each of the kids who is there, it's a little bit like Harry Potter, you know, a wizarding school. It's a school for kids who have... Uh, extraordinary abilities. But
3: normal problems. Universal.
5: Normal problems. Yes, very normal problems.
2: The, the sh- this whole book, you know, we also feel that uh, in order for a book really to take root, it is underpinned by uh, the idea of authenticity, body shaming. Uh, what happens if you reveal who you really are? Will you still be accepted? by um, the group around you. So all of these real uh, important um, uh, problems uh, or or challenges are underrooting supporting our comedy.
3: And uh, underscoring the seriousness of these issues that kids face and take into adulthood. I love it when Cassidy finally gets what is it a plate of brownies or desserts (laughs) that Buddy brings her because her mother will only allow her a salad. A salad,
2: yes. Yes, she can have salad, but hold the egg. Uh, The the mother is a (laughs) calorie counter. So our Cassidy is always frustrated in that she wants to enjoy um food and can't because she has to fit into her costume. Mm.
3: Now, Alien Superstar and Buddy's Adventures build momentum and there's suspense, there's excitement, and there's an ending that begs
2: screams for a sequel. We're in the middle of writing that second novel right now.
3: I thought so. And I know those readers, um, including myself, will be very happy to read the second one. If you are just joining us, this is City Lights. Our guests are Henry Winkler and Lynn Oliver. We've been talking about their new book is Alien Superstar. As an actor, Henry Winkler is quite the star himself. He recently won an Emmy Award for his role in HBO series Barry. Henry portrays the acting teacher Gene Cousineau. Here talking to Bill Hader, who portrays Barry, a low-level hitman, who's taking acting classes from Gene. Let's listen to this clip.
2: I once auditioned for the guy that robbed the house on Full House. And I carried a loaded Beretta with me into the audition. Just to feel the weight of it. Wow. Did you get the part? Oh, they freaked out. Now look, you're in a shell. You need to break out. And I've got the perfect antidote for you. Ten cc's of pure mammoth. Mammoth? Yeah. You're gonna play Blake. Glengarry Glen Ross, the movie. I'm going to send you the pages. Here's my only direction. i want the cat out.
3: <laughs> that was brilliant. It was brilliant. Thank you. What has playing the role of Gene Cousinier meant for you personally as well as professionally?
2: Okay, so I would have to say maybe like three things. One is that I, it's like a gift, a, a birthday gift that keeps going. Two, that I work with this incredible ensemble of people that they are so much fun to be with every day. And three, I got the funds when I was 27. I got Barry, Jean Cousineau, at 72. So you just switch the numbers. That I am still... In the thick of it, when other men are waiting at home for the phone to ring, or some of them have put that phone in the closet, put it away, is astonishing to me. Hmm. Thrilling.
3: When you won the Emmy. Yes. Aside from the professional achievement. Yes. There was such genuine warmth from your peers in that ovation re- w- you received we have some excerpts from your response
2: i only have 37 seconds i wrote this 43 years ago okay okay right. can i just say skip brittenham said to me a long time ago if you stay at the table long enough the chips come to you and tonight i got to clear the table If you get a chance to work with Bill Hader or Alec Berg, run, don't walk. My wife, Stacey. Oh, my God, my cast and crew. And, And the kids, kids, Jed, Zoe, and Max, you can go to bed now. Daddy won! Of course, my children are 36, 38, and 48. But I did tell them they could go to bed.
3: Henry Winkler, and Lynn Oliver, talking about their latest book, Alien Superstar. Listeners chose that segment as a favorite City Lights interview to re-air today. Here we are on the final day of the WABE Fall Member Drive. It's an important time for us because we rely on listener donations to bring you programs such as City Lights. And because this is the final day, we need you to chip in right now. Here's a big reason why 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. You can do your part now at wabe.org slash donate, or... Call 678 553 I'm Lois Reitzes, joined on this final day of fundraising by WABE music contributor Scott Stewart.
4: Thanks, Lois. I think if we were in Vienna, it would be the Spitta, right? The, the summit, the grand finale of the fun drive. We're so glad to be with you. And you know, there's a reason that WABE still does these member drives. They allow us to be as efficient as we can. When you hear WABE programs like City Lights next week, they will be un interrupted because thousands of people across the region supported us in Atlanta, in Marietta, in College Park, all over the metro area and all over the state. They make it happen. They're WABE members. But what about you? Please help us out with a monthly donation of $15 to keep us on track and support the programs that you love. Pick up the phone and dial 678-553-9090. That's 678- 553-9090. 553-9090. Or you can go online to wabe.org and click the Donate button.
5: My name is Kirsty Lubitsch-Navrotska, and I live in Decatur, Georgia. I decided to, again, give to WABE in 2020 because when schools closed, it became really important to hear a familiar voice uh, every day. It, be- it was always a part of my before school routine, so it brought back some normalcy to my world and my my small house, and it's honest.
3: Thanks, Kirsty Scott. Kirsty's from Decatur, where it's greater. I it have is not, greater in Decatur. <laughs> I have not heard you say that yet. You've been very restrained.
4: I'm trying to honor all of my Atlanta neighbors, but I'm so glad that Kirstie has chimed in so that we have a chance to elevate the great city of Decatur. Well, Kirstie
3: makes (laughs) a great point, even though the pandemic has changed a lot of our daily patterns, WABE remains an anchor in your life, a place to hear trusted, familiar voices Please show how much you appreciate our station and shows like City Lights with a gift right now at wabe.org donate.
4: In a member drive like this, we ask for your donation and we use that money to pay for great programs like Morning Edition, All Things Considered, or our award-winning podcast, Buried Truths, and of course, City Lights with Lois Reitzes listener contributions make up WABE's largest source of funding. 84% comes from the Atlanta community, and your donation is a part of that. On this final day of the member drive, we're counting on you to give as generously as you can. You can give online at wabe.org or call us at 678-553-9090. And thank you.
5: With your new sustaining donation of $15 a month, feel free to choose the WABE Canvas Tote Bag as a thank you gift. It's a wheat color with blue trim and has the WABE logo embroidered on the front pocket. Please make your first ever donation this fall at $15 a month or with a single gift of $180
3: at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thank you. What would public radio be without tote bags? It's essential, (laughs) and you are essential, to helping WABE continue bringing you the programming you love. These are the final seconds of City Lights on the final day of our fall member drive. So please give right now. $15 a month makes you a WABE sustaining member. If you're in a position where you can donate more, please do. Or make your first ever gift now at wabe.org slash donate. You can also call 678-553-9090. Thanks to all of you and Dr. Scott Stewart. You not only make every finale grand, but working together on the pledge drive is always a joy.
4: Thanks Lois, my pleasure.
3: You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of Atlanta arts and cultural life. Tonight at nine on City Lights, an hour of fascinating stories from the filmmakers of the documentary Jimmy Carter Rock and Roll President. Then we'll be back Monday at 11 a.m. Our theme music is The First Time, written and performed by Joe Granston with his jazz band. Special thanks to Hot Shoe Records, Summer Evans, and Ryan McFadden, our City Lights producers. Kevin Brinker is our engineer. And I'm Lois Reitzes. You can follow me on Twitter. I'd love it if you'd follow me at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thank you for listening to member-supported WABE. Atlanta's choice for NPR.
5: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more... Listen to our Peabody award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary, but when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate and thanks.